This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Hansen. Thurley Ruxton by Philip Virrell Miguels. Chapter 44 Unexpected Aid it was fully two days before Thurley and Alice were sufficiently recovered to resume their ways of life. That Thurley was not completely prostrated was solely to the credit of her will, her courage, and her magnificently perfect health. The news had gone rapidly about the circle that the princess had returned, and for once the daily papers were unaware of the vital facts in the story. No one save Stiverant, Alice, and the Baron had been authentically informed of what had taken place. As if all eagerness to regain lost ground and gratified desires and appetites merely whetted by Thurley's absence from the scene, her numerous admiring swains redoubled their former efforts for her favor. Whole shops full of flowers trooped fragrantly in at the mansion's doors rivaled only by white-winged invitations to opera parties cotillions dinners receptions with which all swelldom inundated alice and her protege baron von hotchhaus duly informed as to thoroughly safe return desired to call at the earliest moment rendered possible by grave complications of his business Count Faishi was fired with pent-up ardor which could scarcely wait to be uh, conventional or restrained for another hour. His insistence, indeed, roused thoroughly to a sense of resentment most diverting from her recent terrifying adventures. But her one great happiness now was Alice. They, too, had been knitted to a sweet relationship that was second only to that of mother and daughter. Alice had clung to her just a little wildly, accusing herself of having made the girl's dread experience possible, and declaring her frights, her despair, and her love repeatedly. She had hung upon every word and moment of the narrative, breathless and white with each succeeding anguish that thoroughly had endured, and she had since become childishly loath to see her princess depart from her sight for so much as a moment. This was the partially restored condition of affairs at the great Fifth Avenue Palace, when Acton Gaylor, driven to final desperation, telephoned to Thurley on Wednesday afternoon for a private interview. "'I have something important to say, to request,' he told her, his voice harsh and hoarse on the wire. "'It is nothing for myself but something concerning a certain man who has thrust his attentions upon you, a certain count. I beg you to let me come. Thoroughly had told him to come. He arrived at four, a haggard, nerveless being as remotely related to the Gaylord she had known, as a dried and frozen rill is related to the boisterous and arrogant brook of the spring. She was shocked at his appearance, unaware either that Faishi had driven him finally to the blackest rim of ruin, or that matters of money could so undermine and sap a strong man's strength. 
"'I haven't much to tell you after all,' he said with a sickly sort of smile, when the mere conventions of their meeting had been satisfied. "'But I felt I must beg this chance of warning you that Count Faishi is an utterly unscrupulous cur, with whom to associate is a degradation. I have known him a year. I have no wish to gabble of his shameless liaisons, his abominable affairs on the continent, his glaring duplicities, or a score of transactions barely less than crimes. But I couldn't rest till I let you know a little of what he is. I have really come for that, and also to implore you in the name of everything decent and American to expel this charlatan, this leech and dog from your circle. Thoroughly already sufficiently informed as to the Count Faishi's detestable characteristics, was nevertheless a little curious to know what Gaylord meant and what he might also know. Your indictment is very positive, she said. You must be prepared to prove a case against him. I could prove a hundred with a little time, answered Gaylord emphatically. I have made no preparations for any such exposure. It was neither my way nor my duty. He has been my business partner. He has used my confidence for my ruin. He has beaten me, ruined me, working on my business word and honor, all in his effort to thrust me aside from his path to you. It is not for that I am here, however, smirching the man behind his back. I can take my beating, the wreckage, everything, if only I can be assured that through it he shall not triumph here. And understand, I have realized at last my own mistakes of the past and the place where I put myself, but I almost feel I could murder this whelp if he's also blinded you. His emotions were tremendous. They shook him as if they were masters. In his pale, livid face, only his two eyes seemed alive, burning with the concentrated intensity of his angered being. Thoroughly gazed at him, astonished, she had no thought of Faishi now as an element of menace in her life. She thought of him only as a monster in whose tentacles the man before her appeared to be strangely helpless. She felt Gaylord's helplessness, his surrender in some mighty struggle, doubtless waged with all his stubborn strength against some unseen treachery he was powerless to meet. Her resentment against Faishi, already vigorously and impatient, was like a metal fulminate requiring only a spark to flash out a shattering explosion. "'Do you think,' she said, with simulated calm she was far from feeling, that the Count has dealt unfairly with you for the purpose, for any reason at all concerned with me? To put me out of the running, Gaylord answered hotly. That's the part I couldn't stand. When a man is my partner and does a thing like that, I do almost anything to snatch away the prize he thinks he has won. Thurley's eyes blazed and steadied as she looked upon Gaylord's face. "'Would you mind telling me a little of how he has beaten you in business?' Gaylord failed to understand. He expected that Thurley at the end would attempt a defense of the Count. Perhaps for that reason he made more clear, more naked and complete, the revelations hotly poured from his lips. 
he told of his first discoveries that faishi supposed to be his friend as well as business associate and partner in the enterprise had begun to undermine his credit he added item after item of the count's intrigue and hidden manoeuvres to compass his absolute ruin i fought all last week when i thought i was done he added in conclusion rising to pace the floor and halting to mark his point and i made another loan it was all i could get i thought it would tide me over now he has engineered the final coup in buying up some notes of mine of course through a friend and insisting on payments that cannot be made and so i rise to take the gaff his smile was ghastly mirthless attempt such as one would expect on the lips of a warrior who about to die salutes great caesar on his throne he added i suppose he who takes up the street must perish by the street but partner should be square thoroughly was stirred to the depths of her womanly nature gaylord she knew had confessed his failure in the fight he had waged with a species of relief as to one who had once been something more than just a social acquaintance she felt indeed that she was the only one to whom it could have been told and therein she was right she controlled her one great impulse by a splendid effort of will but her course was as clear as the wind when must it end she inquired when must you meet your obligations or go under tomorrow afternoon and how much money would it need to pay i, I mean to win uh, to win he smiled again and shook his head nearly twenty-five thousand dollars her excitement grew intense the color flamed upward in her cheeks superbly then thirty thousand would make it absolutely certain absolutely however i might as well wish for thirty millions but why i wish to let you have it she interrupted feverishly her eyes ablaze with the prospect of faishi's defeat please don't ask me why to-day but say that you'll take it and win gaylord stared you wish me to beat faishi more than anything in all the you'll take it you'll let me help but if i should lose after all be a year or more repaying you mustn't lose you shan't you're too american will you take the money and come out on top in the end i will by heaven he answered a surge of color leaping for the first time to his face thoroughly please nothing but your consent she interrupted i'll go at once and get the check and presently gaylord left the house the bit of paper in his pocket and wonder and fire in his soul it was strange that even in his humbled mood he could not understand he was certain a spark of her former love had ignited thoroughly's heart thoroughly on her part as thoroughly convinced that her action would be instantly comprehended went to alice radiantly excited he's gone she said i don't suppose you saw him as pale as a pan of dough and frightfully nervous i have lent him thirty thousand dollars <laughs> alice suppressed a gasp but looked at her stunned with amazement she merely said acton gaylord thoroughly realized abruptly that the shock to alice was staggering 
though the reason escaped her in, uh, intuitions. Why, yes, I... Do you very much mind? she asked anxiously. I guess I did it before I realized that the money... The money was yours to dispose of as you please, Alice interrupted, smiling peculiarly. Do you feel like a drive to Miss, Mrs. Ashley Duane's? Uh, Lady Calthrop has something important to communicate, and hoped we'd come this afternoon. Why, yes, said Thurley, a little afraid. She had overstepped the mark at last, and sacrificed the confidence that Alice had heretofore reposed in all her words and actions. Have I done something very wrong or foolish? "'Certainly not,' said Alice, almost reassuringly. "'But may I ask if Acton requested such a loan?' "'Oh, not in the least,' said Thurley sturdily. "'It surprised him as much as, as it seemed to astonish you.' Alice kissed her to dispel a line of worry on her brow. "'Then perhaps he's as fortunate as I, dear child. "'So go and be dressed in a hurry.' Thurley went off to her own boudoir, much puzzled in her mind. End of chapter 44